Hello everybody, welcome to episode 18 of Project Geekology, where we strike fast, strike hard, and have no mercy. I am one half of your host, Anthony, and joined with me as always is... Quiet! Dakota. <laughs> hey man, um, you know, before we start this episode, I want to talk about the fact that we've reached a milestone. We've reached a thousand downloads over all our episodes, man. That is huge. I'm yeah. pretty excited about that. I'm happy. I'm glad that we're actually reaching people. It's really great. We're posting things on Twitter. People are responding. We posted a poll this week and people went out and voted. And I thought that was great that we actually have people out there and checking our stuff out. It's, it's fun being a part of something that I enjoy doing and people also enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so as you said, we have uh, just released a poll and the audience, you people, you lovely, lovely geeks out there have voted in our poll. So we wanted to include the audience in our future episodes. So as we are recording this, we have only released 15 episodes. We have episodes uh, 16 and 17 ready to uh, be edited and we're recording 18 now, but we wanted to continue to uh, progress down the line. We want to have uh, episodes lined up for future podcasts. We asked you on both Twitter and on my YouTube channel, Geek Critique, what episode or what you would like to see us do in our next episode after this episode. And you've spoken. Uh, the choices were uh, The Lion King, the 94 animated film versus the 2019 reboot, The Princess Bride, the classic movie, uh, Godzilla 2014 specifically by Gareth Edwards, and uh, George Lucas's The Phantom Menace. And overwhelmingly, you know, we, we received, between both polls, we received 135 votes, and you guys voted overwhelmingly in favor of The Phantom Menace. I think it rounds out to about uh, 39 or 40 percent of the vote. But we want to get to all of these topics at some point in the near future. So some of these, if they didn't win and you voted for them, uh, we'll have them in future polls that you can vote for. So, you know, just keep your eye on our Twitter feed or on our YouTube channel for future polls. We want to get these out weekly going forward. So if you really want us to discuss something like The Princess Bride or something else in the future, be sure to look at the poll going forward. Um, but uh, we did have a few comments that I just wanted to uh, talk about. Alex Sigsworth posted a meme. It's like that <laughs> scene from The Joker where he's being interviewed and he goes, let me get this straight. You think The Phantom Menace is a good movie? And then they have uh, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. I do, and I'm tired of pretending it's not. So next week, we're going to be talking about The Phantom Menace, and we're very excited about that. I mean, it's a movie we both grew up with. It's not a well-beloved movie, but I think within the Star Wars fandom, people are warming up to the nostalgia of it. All right, am I right in saying that, Anthony? I agree. I don't hate the movie like a lot of people do. I do find a lot of aspects of it that I'm fond of. I mean, sure, there are things about it that are problematic, but I know that we'll dig a little bit deeper into that in our actual Phantom Menace episode, but I do agree. There is nostalgia behind it. Yeah. And Graf Fuller, you mentioned uh, all great topics. Speaking about the four that were listed in the poll, and you said, but my favorite movie of all time is 
The Princess Bride. Its cult status and revival is a wonderful love story. Read the book first, then saw the movie. I've also read As You Wish, written by uh, Carrie Elwes or Wesley himself. The movie is hard to quantify other than great, and I agree with you. I, I actually just bought a copy of, um, I don't have it on me right now, but it's a copy of the film uh, published by the Criterion Collection. And for those who aren't aware, the Criterion Collection is like a special publishing company that like uh, licenses out certain movies that they want to uh, release with like special artwork, special behind the scenes features, stuff like that. So I got a Criterion Collection version of The Princess Bride and it's like a beautiful little case and I can't wait to actually watch the film again. So I'll wait until we decide to do that for our uh, for an upcoming show. Uh, do you like that movie, Anthony? Princess Bride? Princess Bride? Oh yeah. I think it's a great movie. It's fun. It's lighthearted, funny, and it has a lot of action in it. It's cool. It's it's a classic fairy tale type movie. Yeah, and you know the structure is is like it's it's fantastic. I remember when we when I first watched it, and that's actually something I've, I don't think I've ever mentioned to you. Like I don't think we've ever had a conversation about the Princess Bride, but I'm looking forward to eventually having a deeper dive into that because it's it's got to be over 15 years since I've seen that movie. Maybe actually maybe 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 10 years. Uh, I, I'd seen it, it recently. I, I think I like uh, Andre the Giant's character. He's like one of okay. my favorites in that movie. All right. I have to rewatch it in a future episode. So if you guys want to see Princess Bride or our Lion King episode in the same vein as our Mulan episode or something else like Godzilla 2014, maybe we can go through some of the MonsterVerse films before Godzilla vs. Kong comes out. Uh, stuff like that. But anyway, getting off of our poll, I mean, it's just I, we've been very excited about actually having some audience participation and stuff like that. So, uh, Anthony, what have you been up to this past week? This week, I have been doing different things. I jumped into Dairy Girls, as I, you know, I, I told you about. Okay. I was actually talking to Jen about it. I, I took a picture of it and I sent it to her on Instagram that I was watching it. And oh, then, yeah. yeah, I told her there. There's a couple like crass TV shows that I like too, but they're like mo- mostly Canadian. One of them okay. being Letterkenny. I've I don't heard know of if it, you've yeah. heard it. Yeah, it's pretty funny. But yeah, I've been watching Dairy Girls and just like playing di- different games here and there. I, for some reason, I, I'm on a, a Hearthstone kick right now. Really? Okay. Yeah. I mean, Hearthstone, for those of you who don't know, is a card, or I should say it's an app that plays out like a card game uh, where you buy booster packs uh, with, you know, uh, in game credits. And you're able to play against online uh, people, basically. And it's based around the World of Warcraft trading card game that never really went anywhere uh, back in the mid-2000s. What do you think about uh, Hearthstone, Anthony? I think it's fun. For some reason, every once in a while, I get into these modes that I want to play a CCG, a collectible card game. Card game, yeah. And Yu-Gi-Oh! can be a little bit too much. I feel like there's been too many generations behind it and I have so much of a connection to the older version of Yu-Gi-Oh! Whereas this, I don't have as much of a nostalgia to it, except, you know, playing World of Warcraft in the, pa- in the past. I mean, I sure. think it's hilarious that there's actually like a Leroy Jenkins card in there. That is awesome. That is awesome. One of the, the first truly viral memes. I love that. Yes. And probably the most popular World of Warcraft meme ever is the Leroy Jenkins meme. Oh, yeah. 
So yeah, so yeah, I've been I've been doing that. But yeah, other than that, how, how about you? What what have you been up to? What's going on with you? Uh, I'm trying to think. I haven't really been playing anything in terms of like CCG or anything like that. Um, I did play a little bit of uh, Battlefront Two recently. I did play a little bit Ooh. of Fall Guys just because I was you know I I I, uh, I jumped on and played with some friends of mine. But um, in terms of like just phone games, I, I have my my typical uh, Don Machi game that I've been playing for years, <laughs> and that's my CCG of choice. I mean, it's not really a CCG, but you know what I mean. Uh, and I'm still gotcha. playing the Disney Sorcerer Arena, which I've gotten kind of in the higher levels of uh, recently. I feel like I've finally gotten to the end game of that game, and it's better. But um, anyway. Uh, other than that, I've started watching Twin Peaks. I don't know if you've ever watched that or know what that is. I know Twin Peaks, but I haven't watched it. That's kind of where I was my whole life, really, because the show came out before we were born in 1990. Um, and I think it was, you know, I finished shortly after, uh, you know, we were born. But it's fantastic. Dude, it's it's one of the best, uh, you know, thriller, drama, mystery shows I've seen in a very, very long time. And I think it's probably, it's got to be one of those shows that helped define a, t- a genre of television because I can't think of anything else that would have done that. And I've spoken to people who, you know, watched it um, at the time that it was airing like you know my parents and uh jen's parents and stuff like that and they're just like oh yeah there was nothing like that before it was it was something like totally groundbreaking and my dad like you know compared it to stuff like lost like if that show didn't come out shows like lost or maybe even wandavision wouldn't have come out so it's interesting in that respect um and i'm 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 really digging it uh jen text me uh about like can we watch twin peaks tonight after you get home from work i'm like sure what are you watching on (laughs) it's on netflix oh okay nice actually you know what i forgot to add that i have been watching farscape oh yeah you mentioned that i've never watched farscape but it's one it's it's something that's always been on my list how is it i like farscape because it's one of those it's one of those sci-fi tv shows that when you think of a sci-fi TV show, that's something that might pop up into your head. Like I, yeah. I would put it into something along the lines of like a Battlestar Galactica or a Stargate SG-1, except this one's a lot different in the sense that there's puppets, there's Jim Henson puppets in it. Whoa, yeah, for really? the Jim, okay. yeah, Jim Henson company. And some of the prosthetics and everything are really, really cool. The ship that these, that this group of um, well it's people and aliens it's a living ship even though it looks like a it it's a crazy shape and stuff and it doesn't look like a living ship it's a living being kind of like the tardis and doctor who or no a little different yeah it's a little different yeah because the tardis just think of a more spaceship looking version of the whales from star wars okay (laughs) <laughs> I got you. All right. But even though it's not a whale. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, that, I forgot to mention that. So it's good? First good? Yeah, I enjoyed it. I mean, there's some episodes that aren't as thrilling, but I, I would say that there's still a lot of episodes. And the fact that these are 22 or 20 something plus episode seasons and like almost an hour long i mean think it was with commercials it was an hour long yeah you know thinking back on a time when that stuff like that existed like it i I appreciate it cool 
Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, with that being said, maybe we should um, kick it into high gear and start talking about Cobra Kai. That wasn't a pun. The, the whole kicking wasn't a, a pun. I, that, that just came to me on the fly. But we should talk about Cobra Kai. We've talking about it. Uh, we've talked about it several times in previous episodes. Whether it was our Karate Kid episode, uh, which was spurred on by the fact that Cobra Kai is such a like uh, sensation right now, and we've talked about it in other episodes recently. I think it's uh, you know it's a good amount of time now that's passed since the third season where we can feel comfortable talking about spoilers for all three seasons so far. Just for those who haven't listened to our previous podcast where we talked about Cobra Kai and Karate Kid, what is your relationship with the uh, franchise as a whole? Uh, and maybe I'll jump in after that. As a franchise, I remember watching the Karate Kid movies when I when I was younger. You know, being a child of somebody that grew up in the 80s they're all obviously they're going to show you something that i mean not something they're going to show you everything that they can from the 80s yeah and that was one of the the movie series that i enjoyed a lot that along with um like back to the future and stuff but i really enjoyed those movies especially I maybe mean, we talked about you know pat Morita and just the, the the dynamic between the different characters and the narrative it's a really enjoyable series and the fact that they came out with Cobra Kai see I didn't come and watch Cobra Kai when it first came out it was a YouTube original for the first two seasons and I didn't want it to I, like I wasn't really interested in buying YouTube there wasn't much on it that I wanted to watch maybe like yeah. a couple series but nothing that I was willing to invest in and when they finally moved it over to Netflix, that's when I was like, you know what? Let me let me check this out. And right. when I when I watched those first two seasons, like I was instantly hooked. I, you you get hooked after the first episode. Yeah, it's and true. And you know that's that's hard nowadays. Yeah. Nowadays you have to wait a few episodes before you're hooked. And I think what had it going for it is the fact that we know these characters. Right. So right. there's a past that was already established in the 80s. Yeah, I, I love the series. How about you? What, what, what's your connection with the series? So I've only ever watched uh, The Karate Kid prior to watching Cobra Kai. And that is, uh, it's kind of required viewing, you know? The other movies uh, are uh, certainly, they, they certainly help with the understanding of what goes on, um, you know, the second and third film help you understand the history of these two characters uh johnny lawrence and daniel larusso but uh, it's the first movie that you truly get the basic framework of what the karate kid is it's the first movie that truly or i should say that the cobra kai basically is a paradigm shift from what we know of karate kid so it kind of like shifts the perspective to the antagonist and i think that that's uh, a fantastic way to set a series especially what a series 35 40 years later and i think they do a fantastic job in terms of whether or not i was hooked from the start um i think i i did have youtube red or it's now called youtube premium at the at the time of recording this uh when they first started releasing episodes and I did watch the first couple and I remember thinking 
this is amazing. Like, could, like for, for a YouTube original, uh, because I watched very few YouTube originals, they, they don't usually appeal to me. They usually appeal towards a uh, younger, angsty teen audience uh, who... And most of their shows tend to have YouTubers, you know, you know, like actual YouTube creators uh, behind the the seat in terms of like who's playing the protagonist and stuff. Stuff like that never appealed to me, and I think that's why most people don't care to buy YouTube Red or it's called YouTube Premium now. And I think that's why the show failed uh, on YouTube. Now that YouTube did produce two seasons of it, it was their most popular show, but it was uh, not the audience for it. And when Netflix took over, like you said, Anthony. That's when the popularity for the show blew up. I yeah. never saw anyone talk about the show before that. I, I think I saw Philip DeFranco say, "Hey, this is a really good show. You should check it out." But that's the that's as far as I, I saw like <laughs> on YouTube uh, of people talking about Cobra Kai. So when it hit Netflix, it became one of the best streamed shows uh, period of the year. And uh, now with the release of the third season and the knowledge of a fourth season coming down the line, um, it's it's a really exciting time to be a Karate Kid fan. And I'm, I'm I, you know, I still haven't uh, revisited the later films in the Karate Kid series, but uh, I'm, I'm excited to do so. Uh, especially yeah, now. yeah, I do think that the second and third films help with the third season. For sure, the third season, they do talk a little bit about later films um, in some of the first and second season of Cobra Kai. But uh, this season heavily, heavily influenced, is, is influenced by later films. Yeah. So I gotta, you know, go back and watch those. But let's let's start from the first season and work our way up. So for the first season, you come into it with a disheveled Johnny Lawrence. He's kind of down on his luck. Uh, life has been pretty hard for him up until that point. You know, like the the beginning, like you, you just see how he's just really, he drinks a lot. and He's hit rock bottom. You know, yeah, he, he really has hit rock bottom. Really, yeah. I mean... You know he loses his job. His yeah, car he loses gets his job. crashed. Yeah, it's crazy because he connects with this kid, uh, Miguel. I mean, the the way that he connects with it is it, it's a pretty crazy moment. Uh, these kids are are uh, picking on him and like next to a convenience store, and he starts like kicking their their butts, you know, with uh, karate. So Miguel, he you know he eggs him on like, hey, you know, teach me karate, teach me karate. And it's not until he has an interaction with Daniel LaRusso at at one of his uh, car dealerships. Like, he has these car dealerships now. And, yeah, it's crazy. Like, a lot has happened. I like how this world feels lived in. Mm. It's not something that that it was just like a time jump it kind of explains a bit of what you know what was going on and that it it's it's a lived in world enough time has passed where um their lives have moved on from karate so they both have had kids both daniel and johnny at this point but one of them is vastly more successful uh in terms of their family life and uh, actual career and that's obviously daniel larusso the entire show at the beginning paints him out to be not the villain but someone that is the complete opposite of johnny lawrence um from personality to life experience and you kind of feel bad for the the, the villain of the karate kid johnny lawrence because you're watching it through his eyes you see that he is down in the dumps you see that he is at the bottom 
of his he's he's at the bottom of his life apparently and you know you, you can't see him picking himself back up at this point he's given up and it's not until miguel shows up in his life that he realizes that you know i can do something with my life i can reopen cobra kai and start this dojo back up yeah yeah so he he yeah he starts his dojo back up and it's a rough start it's funny because he's training miguel and this inspector comes in and like everything is there's things hanging from the roof like you know loose wiring things are exposed wires yeah yeah um (laughs) and this guy's like oh you're not open right and (laughs) and johnny like yeah i mean he was obviously open but johnny's just kind of like oh no of course not and you know kind of like a oops but but it's crazy because as the season progresses he starts getting more students so we obviously meet daniel's daughter which is sam and johnny's son whose name is robbie so the thing that i like about this first season is that it establishes that it's not just about daniel and johnny's still like constant struggle even though you could tell that they've spent some time apart now that they've come back together by some crazy you know thing where his uh daniel's daughter was hanging out with friends and they crashed into johnny's car and he went to go get it fixed at at the dealership and johnny didn't know it was daniel's dealership so they 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 cross paths you know in a a crazy kind of way i like that the show kind of it goes back and forth between the struggle of daniel and johnny and their their kids are involved you see you know what's going on in their life you know, also with Miguel and Robbie, it, it's it's crazy. Like, there's a bunch of different storylines, but they also work together. It's not like you're confused. You're like, oh, I don't know what's going on here. It it, it all makes sense. It's kind of amazing when you think of uh, adapting something like The Karate Kid for TV. All you have to do really is add a few more viewpoints, add a few more characters to the mix, and you get a TV show. You get a couple yeah. more hours per season than you would in a movie. You literally double the screen time or triple it in some cases. Right. And it's really cool how they adapted Karate Kid for TV. And I think that they do a fantastic job, especially the first season, in terms of what they, you know, like what, what they're actually capable of doing. Um, they introduce family dynamics. They introduce drama. They introduce um, old rivalries and new rivalries and it all feels natural like you said it feels like a lived-in world and it's not something that's like like first of all yes it's well thought out it's well thought out tv but it doesn't always work i mean not everything worked out from the original film like obviously what uh, he thought at the time was his what was the love of his life ali isn't in the picture at least in the first season you know she she's not around and uh, she's not in either of their lives you know that's the girl that they were fighting over that's why they have this rivalry to begin with but she's not in the picture they're still hating on each other and uh yeah it's great i i also i i really like that he it's almost like johnny is attached at the hip to the idea of Cobra Kai, even though he recognizes that his previous mentor, his previous sensei, was uh, abusive. He realizes that uh, Sensei Kreese was a bad person. He wants to bring back the spirit of the dojo that he grew up in, which is Cobra Kai. And um, it's almost, it's interesting how as the show goes on, 
his interpretation of like what the values of his dojo uh, and what they need to be change over time. Uh, so it, it, he begins, you know, with the the, the same motto: uh, "Strike first, strike hard, no mercy." And over time, he realizes that you know if you do this, if you follow this to the letter, you're going to be a jerk. You're going to be a jerk your whole life. You're going to be a bully. And he doesn't want his students to be that way. He wants them to be cool. He wants them to be able to, uh, you know, stand up uh, for themselves and stand up to their problems. That's kind of the the whole goal of, you know, originally teaching Miguel and stuff. Right. But the message, when taken to the logical extreme, like with Crease, becomes more gang-oriented than anything, you know? And it's, yeah. it's an interesting shift that he makes mentally. Some of his kids get it and some of his kids don't. I forget. At the end of the first season, is that is that when the tournament is? Yes. So in the first season, again, fantastic first season. I think what they do so good in this first season or so great in this first season is how they take this antagonist and they actually make you like him. They make you feel bad for him. They show you his side of the story and it makes you think like man there really is two sides to every story and you only saw one all those years ago you know yeah and obviously when you go and rewatch karate kid it's easy to take the side of daniel Larusso. he's the new kid on the block he's just trying to get by in high school he's trying to uh mack it to this girl that he likes he saw at the beach whatever but it's it's also hard not to see the failings that Johnny Lawrence has uh, or the character traits that has been inculcated in him because he's a jerk. You know, he is the bully of the story. He is yeah. tormenting Daniel uh, throughout the entirety of the, the first season. And there's there's times when Daniel deserves it. You know, the time when he like <laughs> uh, put the sprinkler on him at the dance party. Yeah, uh, I know that my mind always goes to that moment because that was that was an act of uh instigation on daniel's part he he had to know that something was going to come of that now that i think about it it's got to be partially responsible to his mother in that instance because she made him the shower curtain the shower curtain costume so maybe he got the idea to like like shower johnny with water from the costume that his mother made him i don't know that just came to me oh uh, my little gosh. little mini theory right there that cannot ever be proven but anyway it's kind of cool though like the fact that you have this show or this movie karate kid and it's from this one perspective but as soon as you expand the reach expand the length of time and just change the viewpoints around and just shift them you know one episode follows this guy one episode follows this guy and you're yeah. seeing the story progress day by day there's two sides to that story yeah and it's really it's really really well done they really do, did a great job in maturing the characters and it's crazy how daniel sounds exactly the same as he did when he was a kid like like the way he talks sounds exactly the way that he did as as a kid like johnny you know he, he doesn't sound the same i mean he still kind of has like that um that kind of 80s talk but that accent that daniel has it it just it reminds me so much of of karate kid but yeah. we have to talk about the way that johnny is in this first season sure it is yeah. absolutely hilarious because this is oh, a guy yeah. that time left behind this guy acts like 
he just stepped out of a cryo chamber and that he went to sleep back in 1980s it's true it's true and you, you what's weird is that like this isn't like a like a phenomenon that's just like uh leveled at him there are many many people from like that time period who grow who grew up in the 80s who grew up in like the late 70s and stuff <laughs> who act like this you know they're stuck in the 80s they still have uh their mullets they still have um uh their 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 long hair and their jean jackets and uh they all they listen to is you know uh kiss and stuff like that so it's funny seeing him interact with the modern day and age like he understands some things you know yeah like, no he, understands he does obviously how to get around he and he he previously worked in uh an audio and video installation company and like you know just doing odd jobs and he knew how to turn a tv on obviously and stuff like that but in terms of like using the internet using a computer he's completely blown away he has no idea what a facebook is um, <laughs> i know I, lo I absolutely loved that so much and and when he's like promoting his dojo he's like you want to score some babes <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean oh it's hard gosh. the show works on several levels and it really in terms does. of like in terms of uh johnny lawrence and his growth yeah uh, you kind of have to get through some of the cringe of his day-to-day -day life and like his very not pc way of handling things you know like he's not politically correct at all no, um, no, no. he's i think that show handles it very well I think it really the show does handles because you know you have individuals who uh kind of miss the old days of like you know not caring about what people say on a television show or a movie or whatever and that's the type of person johnny lawrence is he doesn't care who he offends he doesn't care about anything like that but then you have like his students who are just like uh you know sensei you probably shouldn't say that <laughs> I I love those interactions so much because you get both sides of the coin. You understand why it's wrong to say that nowadays, but you understand why this guy is totally uh he totally feels like absolutely no remorse about saying it. So it's it's funny. It's a generational joke. It's a general generational humor that um fits perfectly with this franchise because you understand where he came from and you understand where the story is going. You can tell that you know the people or the, the the only people that would have been able to get that right are the people that understood that time and they're making fun of it they're essentially like making fun of it sure. but in a way that it's not it's not cringe in a way like you know like oh my gosh i oh i can't believe they did that it's more no. like, like oh my gosh i can't i can't believe they did that that's hilarious yeah i can't um, believe they got away with that that's um, hilarious so yeah you're right about Johnny growing as a character because when he first opened Cobra Kai, he said absolutely no girls. But then here comes Aisha Robinson and she shows that she's got the metal, you know, she that she can kind of handle herself. She wants to be able to handle herself even better. He starts allowing these people that he considers geeks like Eli, a.k.a. Hawk. <laughs> Hawk's character is absolutely crazy just over the seasons man there's just there's so many characters in here uh to let's, let's talk a little bit about um aisha robertson because um i, I just looked up uh her character and why uh you know obviously if you haven't watched season three 
probably should before finishing this episode, but um, she wasn't in season three. And uh, essentially, like, it wasn't anything uh, that the actor did to get her kicked out of the show. It wasn't anything that she wanted to not be involved in the show or anything like that. Um, basically, she apparently she broke the news on Instagram where she said, uh, officially not a part of Cobra Kai season three. It's disappointing, but hopefully I'll have something later on down the line. And the show, the show creators basically said that, you know, there's a lot of story left to tell and it's very likely that she'll come up again because there's certain characters that didn't show up in season two that were in season one and then showed up again in season three so hopefully she's one of those characters because she was one of the cooler characters in terms of actual character growth yeah but i I, maybe we'll we'll talk more about her and why she may not have shown up because it was it did make sense in the writing of of the season why she didn't show up but um, they they like made it apparent like why why she wasn't there it wasn't just like you know like they didn't just leave it open where it was yeah where it's like where where is she they gave a reason why she wasn't there yeah she didn't just die over the summer oh my gosh let's let's finish off uh the events of the first season so one of the bigger things that occurs in the first season is the uh you know we, we learn more about johnny's son his uh kind of a strange son like they don't have a relationship he it kind of becomes mentored by Daniel LaRusso. You know, Daniel starts teaching him his version of karate, which was taught to him by Mr. Miyagi. Uh, So he reopens the Miyagi Dojo, Miyagi-Do Karate, and teaches Robbie, which, you know, is Johnny's son, his version of karate. So it it creates a a whole interlocking and multi-layered dynamic of, you know, relational struggle between the LaRussos and the Lawrences. By the end of the season, they finally have the uh, All-Valley tournament, uh, just like they did in the original Karate Kid, where eventually they, they pit Cobra Kai's best student, which is Miguel, and Miyagi-Do's only student at the time, Robbie, against each other. And, spoiler alert, Robbie wins. So in that moment, uh, Samantha and Robbie kind of have this connection. Towards the end of the season... Up until that moment, Samantha and Robbie end up connecting because earlier in the season, uh, Samantha and Miguel, they start dating and Miguel starts, he kind of gets uh, indoctrinated by the Cobra Kai mantra and Mm -hmm. he starts becoming, you know, this kind of a jerk. So, you know, by, by the end of the season, he, you know, he's angry. In that tournament, he was fighting pretty aggressive it was almost reminiscent of johnny and daniel in their in their fight in the tournament yeah absolutely obviously miguel doesn't uh go around bullying people like johnny did back in the karate kid but you can start to see the the anger the fury in the way that he uh uses his fighting abilities in the tournament but obviously nothing to the degree that, you know, like uh, he doesn't sweep the leg or anything like that uh, in terms of trying to beat Robbie. But anyway, so first season is an excellent season. And I think the second season plays off of a lot of the introdu- a lot of the stuff that uh, was so great about the first season. Uh, I think at the end of the first season, actually, they leave it off on a cliffhanger where Johnny Lawrence's previous sensei, uh, Crease comes to basically take lodging in the uh, newly refounded 
Cobra Kai dojo. And basically, he's proud of Johnny Lawrence, and you know he's very conniving, and you are you you know he's a snake in the grass, bro. You know he's gonna bring trouble uh, that Johnny doesn't want. Johnny doesn't realize he doesn't want it. I mean, right. he probably does a little bit. He, they they fight a little bit at the start, but he ends up giving Crease uh, a second chance in the second season. And this doesn't really work in his favor. But what's cool about season two is you start to see the growth of both dojos in different directions. Uh, you see more people join Cobra Kai. The team strengthens. And then you also see uh, Miyagi-Do. Like after the All-Valley Tournament, a, a number of people come. Like Dimitri. They, 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 like characters that you wouldn't expect to want to even care about karate are suddenly taking interest and joining the Miyagi Do dojo, and there's even some characters from Cobra Kai that go over to Miyagi Do because they're kind of like, ah, I'm not really feeling this aggressive vibe, so they go over right. to this one introduces another kind of main character, uh, Tori, which is played by Peyton List. Correct. Yeah, she's kind. She's like the bad girl of the series. And her character actually adds a lot in this season. Yeah, especially, in, I think, in season two. Um, you know, she's kind of the... She plays a great, like, villainess, you know? She's a yeah. good villain. She she is certainly, like, an antagonist character. She's certainly a villain in some instances. Yeah. Um, especially and then, and when then, it comes to Sam. Right. And then there are those, like, instances where you do have pity on her because there is a lot going on in her life in the background yeah too. and you don't even like learn about it until like the third season or whatever but you you do feel bad for um this girl because uh you see that she she lives a a very tough life where she's trying to you know look after her family uh she has to keep keep down a household or rather an apartment um and she's uh living under an abusive landowner and you know it's kind of difficult to watch a little bit because you feel bad for the character but at the same time she goes and does arguably worse stuff down the line in the season you know right so it's it, it's kind of like a i want to feel bad for you kind of thing and i do in certain instances but right now <laughs> you're kind of a jerk R right right and then and this second season is it's interesting because there's a you st you see a shift where Johnny is he's still trying to do his Cobra Kai but he's also trying to make sure that it doesn't get as bad as it was but then now that he has Crease on board Crease is trying to creep in and influence it a little bit more and more you see him kind of stepping in a little bit more as the season progresses until things get pretty bad towards the end and johnny kicks him out like he's like hey i can't do this anymore yeah you know you have to go i try to give you a second chance you obviously didn't change so right. you're, you're teaching my kids um like terrible ways of behavior and living their life and uh, aggression that they don't need in their life that's going to end up uh you know getting them in trouble so at, at the end of season two uh, just to, so strong. Yeah, I think that has probably the the strongest ending for the entire series so far. Is season two's ending? It's uh, basically a, a big school fight scene where uh, everything 
comes to a head in uh, I think it's the first day of school or the second day of school or something like that and everyone uh, just you know goes crazy they have a big it's almost like a gang fight because you have it, Cobra Kai yeah. and you have Miyagi-Do let's and, be real it is a gang fight like I mean there there it, it wasn't dude that wasn't even a gang fight that was like a gang war yeah like yeah, I mean dude it, that was a war I mean it was a massive fight and it and it wasn't just like you know two or three people fighting it was like people everybody from both dojos fighting everywhere in the school you couldn't go anywhere in that in that school without somebody be fighting and obviously the the fight is focusing on the the fight is focusing on between Sam and Tori and Robbie and Miguel there's tensions rising uh, Miguel's kind of angry at Robbie because he feels that Robbie stole Sam and there's a moment between Sam and Miguel that Tori caught a glimpse of so she's feeling mad for the same reasons oh my gosh one of the characters that I thought was hilarious in this fight was that dude he called himself Stingray the older guy I was just gonna mention him yep Stingray and and it it was so funny because I think he was in the first season he was in the first yes. season, but he was like that Home Depot guy. Yes. <laughs> or Lowe's. And then he comes back in the second season and he joins the dojo. And then he like he like he braids his beard and calls himself Stingray. His character is absolutely hilarious. And his moment in that fight is absolutely hilarious. My favorite scene with Stingray, uh, I wish he had more of a role in the third season. I think he is in the third season, but he's not like half as like important. Um, but like when he shows up to the, the, the house party with like two liquor bottles like taped to his hands and he has to drink his way out of it. <laughs> <laughs> what a freak, dude. And he brought like he brought like his like adult girlfriend with him or wife. I don't know what relationship they have, but like they're totally cool partying with a bunch of high schoolers whatever i know it's, i thought that was funny it's a good time but yeah anyway yeah. Oh, another another thing in that fight scene that i i think was probably the most like yeah moment i'm, I'm like fist pumping right now because it's it's one of those moments that i'm just like that you cheer when you finally see it is when Dimitri takes on Hawk, who has been bullying him for the past season and a half since Hawk or Eli uh, became Hawk, basically the bully character of the show. And Dimitri takes him on and like kicks him into a trophy case. Yeah. Fantastic, fantastic uh, turn, uh, turn of the tide there. And I, I love that scene so much because in that moment you see Dimitri realize, wait, I'm not, I'm not weak. I'm not just some person that can be pushed over anymore. So it's, it's a good scene. But you know, eventually the fight ends in like horrible tragedy. First of all, you have freaking Tori who brings bear claws to school, metal bear claws, and rips up Sam's arm. The, the, the inside of the, the arm, which yeah. is where sam got hit that that's an artery that's an artery right there you could kill someone like that uh so freaking tori man she yeah <laughs> what the heck man yeah man and uh i, I do have to say that in the the part with uh, miguel there was a serious growth moment for him where he backed off yes he was about to finish off robbie 
until he remembered what Johnny had said about knowing when to have mercy. Right. And so he stops and that moment backfires on him in a way. And I'm not saying backfire like, oh, he should have. Yeah, yeah, in a big way. Like, I'm not saying that he should have finished him off, but, you know, his, his moment of kindness backfired in which he gets kicked over the edge and he hits his back on the railing of the stairs and it ends the season on that and it's crazy when you're talking about dimitri something that we didn't talk about was this whole season was a big struggle for him to figure out karate he was a very slow learner when it came to that stuff and there was an instance of him being bullied was in the mall remember the mall fight there was a big fight in the mall where sam and robbie fight off a bunch of cobra kai guys true yeah i forgot and about that so uh, uh, and then also in the center of that fight was dimitri and he was getting pretty much beat up that moment in the end where dimitri kicks hawk aka eli into the trophy case was like a moment of redemption for him a moment of strength like uh, he believed in himself totally 100% agree with you there. That's where season two ends with Miguel paralyzed, with Robbie on the run because uh, now he's a felon. You know, he 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 could be charged with attempted murder at that point, kicking someone over uh, a railing onto a staircase. That's you know he could have died. Yeah, I mean that escalated quickly. First of all, but what what I like about that interaction is that Cobra Kai isn't the bad team you know they're not the ones um like in the karate kid that were antagonizing uh the other karate dojo uh in this case it was robbie who took it too far who was part of miyagi do yeah and just that dynamic uh you know starting season three off was fantastic for me because you see the inner torment of Daniel LaRusso, like, what did I do? This is my fault because I taught this kid the skills he needed to be able to kick this other kid off of the second story of this high school. It's a really interesting, like, dynamic flip of, like, who really is the bad guy. And I think at the end of the day, and I was talking about this with uh, Jen when we were watching season three, it's, it's really interesting that a lot of the second season is dedicated towards Cobra Kai members and Miyagi-Do members uh, appealing to the town lawmakers who are basically banning the upcoming All-Valley Tournament, the Karate Tournament, because of the recent events in the high school. Oh, in season three? In season three, yeah, going into season three. I was talking to Jen about it, and I I was saying, if karate was never taught to any of these kids, none of this would be a problem. Like, yeah, they have, like, their bullies in school. Uh, <laughs> but I think the big problem here is actually karate because, you know, it's it's making bullies out of kids. It's making these fights happen. You wouldn't have kids breaking into other people's houses uh, to start fights if it weren't for the, 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 the karate dojo gangs, basically, that they've started. But at the same time, I know that it's through karate that it's like helping these kids grow up you know they're they're being able to uh create individuals of themselves Uh, well before we continue through season three something that we missed big at the end of season two 
is the fact that Kreese took over Cobra Kai. Yes. He took over the reins. He kicked Johnny out. And the way that he did that was by turning the Cobra Kai students against Johnny and pretty much making them think that he's taking away everything that makes Cobra Kai Cobra Kai. Yeah. And on the note of, you know, Karate being the the issue, the biggest issue is actually stemming from the senseis themselves. Mm. Their rivalry trickled down into them. And so they hate each other because of they they started they didn't like each other already because of their senseis being rivals and then all these like little things that would happen in between just like really threw logs into it and then the karate you know instead of it just being hair pulling and a really crappy fist fight these kids are kicking each other in the face yeah no (laughs) seriously like no no joke but yeah uh season three I do like season three a lot. I know you're not a big fan. And I'll tell you some points of why. I mean, already throughout this entire series, there's, I'm already in the mind of suspension of disbelief. I mean, there's a lot that's happening in the show that's just not going to happen. Like the end of season two. Like, yeah, and real, real life. Yeah, there's no way that there's going to be a huge, gigantic karate war. That's going to happen at a school like at the end of season two. It was just really entertaining. What I liked about season three is that it expands on why Crease is Crease in the way that he is. And it shows the background of his character. And that his character wasn't always a crappy person. That he, he was pretty much driven to become this character by one of his former commanding officers, you know? Like during yeah, Vietnam, he, he, it kind of broke have, him. Yeah, like you were saying, we have a lot of character uh, development with Kreese uh, in way of flashbacks to, uh, I guess, the 70s, right? The 60s and 70s. Um, and you have him... I think it was the early. Yeah, it was pretty early. Like, yeah, I think it started off in the 60s and then, and then yeah, because he goes to the Vietnam War. Right. And yeah, I think it rolls into the 70s, Yeah. It, it, it because it it kind of it kind of shows like a, a precursor, and then it rolls into some flashbacks into uh, Karate Kid Three, where remember when Daniel yeah. joins uh, Cobra Kai? And there's there's a lot in season three actually that harkens back to the second and third films. You want to talk more about that? Yes, yes. So Daniel's having trouble with his dealership, and a lot of it is stemming with the trouble that he's having with. The whole karate thing, the the fight. A lot of people aren't really trusting, you know, LaRusso, Otto, or whatever it was called. Yeah. His competitor is pretty much trying to, you know, pull the rug from underneath them. He signed a, a big, was it like a big car company onto his, onto pretty much to join him and to leave, um, you know, exclusive rights or whatever from uh, LaRusso. Mm-hmm. All his Japanese vehicles. Right, right. He goes to Japan to talk to the head of this company. And it this sequence is one of my favorite parts of the season. Because I absolutely loved Karate Kid 2. So yeah, it was nice seeing uh, Kumiko, Chosen, even that young girl that he had saved 
for uh during that typhoon it was really really cool and i loved how her character came back from all these years and she helped save his business isn't that crazy yeah. like how that how that happened that like down the line that she was she became this this person that I, I you know i don't know what she did exactly but she was in a place where she could help him and yeah. that uh kumiko helped him out you know she helped him out in a lot of ways actually i i love i loved her character in this season she kind of helped give him this piece of mr miyagi advice well i mean what what i what i really like about um the interactions when he goes to japan is that well first of all that they brought the, the actors back yes i loved it from a like a, a lesser known sequel to this karate kid franchise um and they all seem so happy and so excited to be returning yes you know? they all seemed like just grateful for this opportunity to continue this story and i think that that was one of the strongest points just because um even like i haven't even seen karate kid 2 but i feel like i know these characters because of their interaction with daniel larusso i feel like i know these characters because of the short flashbacks that we were given and um just their 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 joy their apparent joy while filming while being on on screen and uh season three i love them you know i i love that this area of the world exists where daniel can go and get help from uh from afar basically you know and uh, it, it, even in areas like with kumiko where it's unexpected you know he, yeah. he didn't expect to get help in that way it worked out for him just kind of and in, it's a similar thing to you know miyagi like miyagi helped him in ways that he would have never expected as a kid yeah so, it, it was it was great i liked it when i started seeing these characters i was like yes <laughs> it was nice seeing them i i really yeah. enjoyed that part of the the season it was what two episodes it, it was uh, maybe like two and a half yeah but it was a good it was a good chunk of uh the the overall runtime of the third season so it was and it was appropriate like it didn't drag out right and there, there was some good closure in that moment too between him and chosen i actually like really liked that moment where chosen beats daniel and in, in a fight and he does that like nose thing he's like i've been yeah. waiting and it's funny because this whole demeanor the entire time they're together is that he he just seems angry like kind of yeah. upset it was a front the whole time yeah, and sure, when he sure. when he does that his like his whole demeanor just lightens up and daniel's like what just happened but it's funny though uh, because it was like all in good fun yeah so going back to california yes uh you have the you still have like the the rivalry between uh karate gangs i'm just gonna call them karate gangs at this point uh you you have like sam who's kind of like going through like a post-traumatic stress uh yeah. disorder sort of phase of her life because she she's like having nightmares of like being attacked by uh tori and throughout the season she's kind of tormented by tori first of all uh and then you have miguel who is physically paralyzed uh from you know the head down or no from the waist down uh, for a good like chunk of the season the first half or so and uh, you know throughout 
throughout it all, you have characters like uh, Miguel's mother and stuff, and uh, other people who are kind of weighing down Johnny Lawrence in in a way. I don't, I don't want to say weighing down, but they're they look down on Johnny Lawrence because of what he taught Miguel that put him in this position to become paralyzed for the rest of her life. And think about. Uh, again, this is what like is so great about the series is that you really get to feel for the mentors because they grow attachments to these kids. They grow uh, like almost familial attachments because you know, for all intents and purposes, Miguel becomes more of a son to him than even Robbie yeah. ever was, and he feels like he seriously messed up with Miguel. So he does everything in his power to help him get back on his feet. And he does eventually, and you know, by the by the end of the the season, he's he's back to kicking, and doing you know karate again, through the power of music. Through the yeah, seriously. Um, so <laughs> no, but um, I got that moment. Johnny really wanted to just like take him out, and they kind of get his mind off of that, and they use that moment to pretty much start his recovery process from yeah. paralysis. And there were there were a lot of really good. Uh, moments with that um, like I, I like the different like t- tactics that Johnny tried to get oh my to like to, to get him to um, <laughs> the fire to, yeah to, to basically like move a little bit <laughs> to help like, him move uh, yeah when when he yeah he you know he lit his leg on fire that was that was funny but you know he also had like uh, he was dangling like a what was it like an adult magazine in front of him. <laughs> uh, like, you he was want trying it? <laughs> to do this or that, and yeah, man, that was so funny. But it wasn't until he uh, Miguel that is showed a little anger that um, he got his mind off of the pain and of what he can't do, and it kind of tricked his uh, himself into like being able to move a little bit um, yeah and, and uh, music music too helped uh, they went to see a concert and like you know he was like tapping his foot a little bit that this is where this season what my my suspension of disbelief was kind of uh removed from this season just because while i i liked this the overall story the timeline of it didn't make any sense to me and i like uh being able to watch something and understand how much time passes between events you know you have daniel larusso going to japan for a couple days and when he comes back miguel's walking again in real life if you have someone who is paralyzed from the waist down for an extended period of time it would take much much longer than a couple days or even a couple weeks probably even a couple months to get back on their feet to be able to start walking normally again running and even fighting that was like a what kind of moment like what what kind of uh what kind of special healing is johnny capable of um it was the fire right right and then uh dimitri too he also in the season he he got his his, yeah so hawk broke his arm which was like a terrifying scene you know like it really was when you know it's coming, it's like you you feel it. You feel like it's just like a deep like, oh, I can't yeah. believe he did that stuff like that. He his arm was only broken for maybe a week, you know, like timeline wise, like based on like how much actual days passed. 
because everything happened on a daily basis. You know, come here tomorrow, I'll see you tomorrow. Come here tomorrow, I'll see you tomorrow. I'll meet you there later. So you can kind of gauge what's the actual length of time. And then at the end of the season, you know, he gets his cast off and it's like, really? I don't know if you've ever broken your arm or anything like that, but a cast will stay on for two months easy. So I don't know. It's stuff like that that really takes me out of it. But overall, I did have a lot of fun with the third season. Um, I guess the the other thing that I, I didn't really like, besides like those timeline inconsistencies, is something we've seen earlier in the show, but this season I feel like we saw a lot of it. So in the first couple seasons, you have, you know, Team Cobra Kai, Team Miyagi-Do. And when one team does something that the people inside the team don't like, they'll migrate to Miyagi-Do and then they'll start like hating each other, blah, blah, blah. In season three, there's a lot of like, there's there's a third faction. There's like Johnny Lawrence's Cobra Kai, or he, he changes it to Eagle what? Eagle like, Fang. Yeah, Eagle Fang, which doesn't even make sense. <laughs> no, 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 it's funny. They, they make fun of that. They're like, well, Eagles don't have fangs. <laughs> I know, I know. Which is, it, it's perfect for Johnny Lawrence. Eagle Fang karate. So they have Eagle Fang karate, which is the, you know, uh, Johnny Lawrence's karate. You have the Cobra Kai faction, which is like the strong team of bullies that is like led by Kreese. And then you have Miyagi-Do, which is obviously uh, Daniel LaRusso's uh, team, but Daniel's kind of absent for most of the first season. And between those three factions, there's a lot of jumping around throughout the season, especially in the last fight scene. And I think I, I did have a problem with the final fight scene, even though it was awesome. Like, it, it's it's like the hallway scene in Daredevil. Like, it's that kind of a moment where it's like one shot take. I don't know how they got all of these actors because it was the actual actors doing this fight scene. It wasn't. I mean, I'm sure they used stunt doubles for, for some like in some cases, but it was it was a one shot, like three minute fight scene in uh, in Daniel LaRusso's uh, home, but but uh, Hawk he he sees uh, his old pal Dimitri, who yes he feels bad about the fact that he recently broke uh, Dimitri's arm, but he sees Dimitri getting double teamed by by two people uh, fighting him, and he has a change of heart and decides to help Dimitri out. In the moment, I didn't buy it. You know, like it didn't bother me that much because no, no, it didn't bother me because it wasn't a sudden change of heart. They, they were, they were building it up throughout the whole season. There was moments where I guess I I would believe that there were moments if I saw his hesitation to go attack, uh, Miyagi-Do before that moment. You understand what I'm saying? He did. He did have hesitations. Did he? Yeah. Yeah. He had hesitations several times he even had he even hesitated before he broke dimitri's arm yeah it was it was tori who was like finish him or something like that. yeah tori was like egging him on he yeah yeah throughout the season he had hesitations like you could see that his even uh, i think miguel like a couple times were like you know man it's not worth it don't be that guy you know don't yeah this is not worth it you know so like he he had those forces pulling him away from that and he did have hesitations. So when that moment did happen, it, it didn't feel so sudden for, for me. I mean, maybe it did I'm being, happen maybe I'm being pretty. Too then, uh, maybe, because... maybe, I mean, maybe it happened a little too fast, but it wasn't totally weird because those moments that those moments, it, it was it was guaranteed for it was going to happen sooner or later, pretty much. 
Like it, it was pretty clear that Dimitri was going to defect from Cobra Kai at one point. Like I like it it was it was gonna happen. My you know moment that like had me like fist pumping was what? the fight between uh Johnny and Crease and then here comes John um Daniel. I was like, oh my gosh, dude. Like that was like a civil war type moment, you know. Dude, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, dude. It was so good. Um Johnny comes in, he confronts Crease. You know, he, like he's angry because all this stuff's happening. You know, he's like, "Man, you you know, you're hurting so and so. You beat um because Miguel comes all beat up from that fight." Yeah. And so he he confronts Crease. He's so mad, man. He's like, you know, he's thrown down on Crease. Finding he's beating up Crease, and then Crease kind of gets to drop on him, and he's trying to kill him. And then here comes Daniel, and he's pissed because of his daughter. And Daniel kicks him, and they're both just like wailing on him. They're building up to this moment. You already know. I loved Elizabeth's shoes involvement this season. Yeah, her moment, like, and she wasn't even in the show for very long. She was, in but the it front did episode. so much. It did so much. It pretty yeah. much cleared the air. It added a third perspective to the story, mm-hmm. and it's like you do realize that you guys are a lot more alike than than you want to admit, right? Yeah. And they started yeah. seeing it. It was an interesting uh, dynamic that they introduced into uh, season three, uh, just just through that one episode. You know, th- yeah. like between season two and three, you have uh, Johnny Lawrence trying to communicate to Allie through Facebook, but when she finally shows up, which um, amazingly, all of these people look amazing for their age. Yeah, you know, right? Holy crap! Like, they they don't look like they've had a lot of work done or anything like that. They look naturally, you know, well aged. And Allie is no different. She she looked fantastic. I really think it was it was her that brought Daniel and Johnny together. Oh yeah, you know, most definitely. It was it was just like a something she said clicked for both of them. Like they're both wrong. Just get over it. You know, uh, make <laughs> be like normal guys and just you know shake shake and uh, <laughs> move on. But uh, it was it was because of that that they were able to you know get rid of their differences because they have a lot more alike, like you were saying. I do like that Daniel's wife is that middle ground too because she sees it also and she mm-hmm. she agrees with it. And it's crazy you find you finally find out what happened between Daniel and Allie, yeah. what broke them so, apart. Speaking of uh, Daniel's wife. When I first started watching the show, I wasn't sure if I wa- if I liked the character. I wasn't sure if um, I was going to like the character, if she was going to be like annoying, like Daniel, don't don't start karate, blah blah blah. And she had those moments, but by the by third by the third season, she's like all for karate because she doesn't see another way out of the situation that uh, her children and her family's in. Yeah, um, and and she wants to teach this guy Chris a lesson. So throughout the first and second season, she was what was grounding uh, Daniel. But by the third season, she kind of loosened those restraints a little bit and said, "Go for it." Uh, and I, I really appreciated about that about her character. She's a she's a very like admirable um, and believable character too. Like you know, she she clearly has uh, or sees fault in her husband, which is not an unnatural thing uh, for a married couple to have. But she is also willing to work with him. But yeah, Ali, she she's also a very grounded character. Uh, she obviously has had 
you know a, a long life of uh, off-screen events that has like transpired. It's really cool to have that third perspective. But for Johnny especially, I think he needed that closure. I think both Daniel and Johnny needed closure with her, uh, especially Johnny. And what I was worried about, because this is one thing that I hate in um, like dramas like this, is uh, a love triangle. Johnny was just starting to see Miguel's mother. Yeah. You know, they had just started a relationship and then Allie showed up. And it's so easy to see that they get they get along so well, Allie and him. So it's like, oh man, he's totally going to forget about Miguel's mom. Yeah. And Allie's going to take over uh, and it's just going to be a weird love triangle. And then the relationship between him and Miguel is going to get strained and it's just going to go downhill. But it wasn't like that at all. She was just, she was a character and it's believably, she was a character that was just visiting came to say some words of wisdom and left and i love that i I think that was that for me was the strongest point of the season and and she even mentioned like so so who's this woman you've been seeing and yeah he he even talked about miguel's mother fondly so it was yeah her her moment in that show was really good i think it was utilized very well you could tell that she loved being back in that role like yeah. I think she, I mean, like you could tell. It was really funny when she was like, "Oh yeah, so what are you driving now?" And it, and it was like a minivan, and he and he told her like what it was, and she's like, "Okay, well, don't tell me then." And it really was that minivan. It was hilarious. Yeah. It was there's there just I so many things. Yeah, you know the the show overall is a drama, but there's just so many light hearted moments in it that are hilarious. Well, hopefully uh, season four doesn't take too long uh, so that we can, uh, you know, get to it and talk about, uh, you know, the goings on of Cobra Kai season four down the line. Yeah, think, yeah. We, we got to talk about the end end of go for it. season go for three. It, go for it. So after all this happens, you know, the standoff between Kreese, the increasingly violent fights between Cobra Kai and Miyagi-Do and Eagle Fang... <laughs> Yep. Miyagi-Do and Eagle Fang decide to join up to compete against Cobra Kai and the upcoming tournament. Dude. And guess who joins by the end of the season who joins Cobra Kai? Uh, Robbie. Yeah, Robbie. Robbie joins yeah. the end at the end of season three. So there's some stakes on there. Yeah, yeah, I want to, like, I know this is never going to happen, but I kind of just want to see, like, a a super buff Robbie just, like, taking on people, like, two at a time. (laughs) (laughs) He's at the tournament. Give me three. (laughs) Yeah, like Donnie Yannon. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, ten people. (laughs) All of them. Let's get this over with. Um so yeah, so I'm 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 excited for what's next. Uh, I think this was a good show, good uh, you know breakdown of like what worked and what didn't work uh, yeah. for both of us in terms of Cobra Kai. Again, thanks for uh, getting me to sit down and watch this because uh, between you and my dad, you got me uh, to like love this sh- this series and you know revisit Karate Kid, which is a ki- which is a movie that I I adored when I was young. So. Uh, yeah, this was a good conversation, man. Yeah, I'm glad that your dad had you... What, what, what was it again? Watch Cobra Kai and then he'll watch what? Uh, Avatar The Last Airbender. Oh, okay. That's right. So yeah, that I think I think that was a great trade-off. I mean, they're both great shows. So 
Yeah, he ended you up loving that. Good. So I'm glad that he he ended up loving that because as we've spoken about 800 times and in our uh, Avatar episode, that's my favorite cartoon. <laughs> yes. What am I? Yeah, I, I totally agree. All right. With all that being said, we're at the one hour and 30 minute mark for our podcast. It'll probably be around maybe an hour 15 for you guys listening back home or wherever you listen to your podcast, because we edit out a lot of like the just random stuff that we don't want to include in it. All righty, guys. Thank you so much for listening to us here at Project Ecology for 18th episode. Next Monday, we'll be diving into our discussion of Star Wars Episode 1, The Phantom Menace, for Episode 19. The choice to cover The Phantom Menace next actually came from all of you who voted in our poll. So thanks for that. And for Episode 20, the following Monday, you voted for us to cover The Lion King 1994 versus the 2019 live-action remake. If you'd like to make your voice heard for episode 21, go on Twitter right now and vote in our poll for the following week. Topics included for our episode 21 poll are The Princess Bride, Godzilla 2014, The New Star Wars Book, Light of the Jedi, and Man of Steel. You'll also find our poll on Geek Critique YouTube channel, Dakota's YouTube channel. Be sure to find all links to our show and socials in the show notes so you can keep up to date on all Project Ecology news and updates. If you enjoyed today's show, share it on social media, review it in your preferred podcast application, or talk to us directly online. Thanks and have a great rest of your week. All right, guys. Have a good one. Bye.